Hello, this is Pastor Nick Hood, and today our focus is on chapter 7 of the book, the first book of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. In this chapter, Paul provides instructions for sexual intimacy. He states that even though he is celibate, he understands the importance of physical intimacy and encourages people to marry rather than burn. I encourage you to read closely what he says as advice to couples. When he says, do not deprive one another sexually. In talking to couples, I have learned over the years that sometimes we barter our sexual behavior in the sense that a person will say, I will give you this if you do what I want you to do. What they may want you to do may have absolutely nothing to do with sexuality but in a sense, everything to do with sexuality. For example, if you fix the toilet or sweep the floor, if you're lucky, I may touch you like you want to be touched, kiss you like you want to be kissed, get in a position you want me to be in, even if I don't like it that way. That is what I mean by bartering our sexuality. The modern Christian can learn from the first century Christian and how to loose ourselves from sexual inhibition. This comes from seeing our sexual lives as a connection to our spiritual lives. Our spiritual selves tend to mirror our, our sexual selves. If your spiritual self is contorted, confused, and conflicted, your sexual self will probably also be contorted, confused, and conflicted. I encourage you to join me in the reading of chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. I also hope you will share this piece with all of the couples you know, the married and the unmarried. I'm reading now from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Let us begin. Directions Concerning Marriage Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is well for a man not to touch a woman. But because of cases of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a set time to devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This I say by way of concession, not command. I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has a particular gift from God, one having one kind and another a different kind. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is well for them to remain unmarried as I am. But if they are not practicing self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not separate from herself, but if she does separate, let her remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not divorce his wife. 
To the rest I say, I and not the Lord, that if any believer has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. And if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with her, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy through her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such a case, the brother or sister is not bound. It is to peace that God has called you. Wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. However that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned, to which God called you. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uh, uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But obeying the commandments of God is everything. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord, just as whoever was free when called a slave, when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. In whatever condition you were called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the impending crises, it is well for you to remain as you are. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you do not sin. And if a virgin marries, she does not sin. Yet those who marry will experience distress in this life. And I would spare you that. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the affairs of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about the affairs of the world how to please his wife, and his interests are divided, and the unmarried woman and the virgin are anxious about the affairs of the Lord, so that they may be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the affairs of the world, 
how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to put any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and unhindered devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his fiancée, if his passions are strong, and so it has to be, let him marry as he wishes. It is no sin. Let them marry. But if someone stands firm in his resolve, being under no necessity, but having his own desire under control, and has determined in his own mind to keep her as his fiancée, he will do well. So then he who marries his fiancée does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if the husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, only in the Lord. But in my judgment, she is more blessed if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. That's quite a chapter. I'd like to uh, share with you now some questions for reflection on what we've just read. What are your thoughts about what Paul has to say about marriage and faith in God? Two, even though Paul is an advocate for celibacy, Paul also encourages married persons to be sexually active. Do not withhold from one another. That's verse five. Three, Paul taught that men and women do not have authority over their own bodies. Let me read this again for you. This starts at verse 3. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a set time, to devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so I ask this question, what does this passage inform you regarding sexual freedom and the overcoming of inhibitions in how married people interact and respond with one another? Next, how can the attitudes of Paul regarding sexual intimacy help or hurt single couples who are in love? What can we learn from Paul regarding how couples should proceed if they separate from one another? And what encouragement does Paul provide in this chapter regarding marriage outside of religious affiliation? You know, there's another part of this chapter that Paul mentions that I think gave uh, it that I think Paul there's another part of this chapter that Paul states that gave tremendous encouragement uh, to slaves to people who were in bond to somebody else and um, I want to read this part for you again because it's so interesting in the African-American experience Christianity uh, was introduced to the slaves, I think in large measure, to keep slaves, um, you know, in a mindset of slavery. And it's so funny how, you know, two people can read the Bible, uh, but de depending on their perspective, they see it in different ways. 
For example, there were white people in America, and the slave owners in particular, who really liked the parts of the Bible where uh, it talks about, you know, slaves be obedient to your masters. But the same guy who wrote that, who's the Apostle Paul, also says in his letter to 1 Corinthians, let me read this for you again, starting at verse 21. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed, freed person belonging to the Lord, just as whoever was free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. Think, Friends, I'm diverting from the text here, but think what the slaves felt when they, they were read that. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. In whatever condition you were called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. And so what we see uh, in the seventh chapter is not only sexual liberation and freedom, but we see physical liberation uh, and freedom for the slaves. And uh, I think uh, this part that I've just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is one of the most liberating parts of the Bible and is one of the reasons why black people are free today in America, in part because the freedom began mentally, uh, not just uh, the physical freedom uh, through legislation, but the freedom of the mind. I'd like to uh, conclude this reading today with a prayer based on what we've just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the gift of intimacy and physical touch and love. I thank you for the excitement, arousal, and desire in love. Free us, Lord, from the mindset of using our bodies as barter. Loose the chains that prevent us from experiencing sexual pleasure. Bless young and older single persons in love. That love might be allowed to flower blossom and bloom in a good and wholesome way. Bless married love that it too might continue to grow in a positive, full, free, and uninhibited way. Free our minds, free our bodies. May our sexual lives mirror our spiritual lives that we might reflect you in thought, touch, passion, and prayer, peace and grace. Free our spirit in your way, in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Nick Hood III, and thank you so much for joining me in reading and reflecting on chapter 7 of Paul's letter, his first letter, to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians. I hope uh, it has been a blessing to you. It's certainly been a blessing to me. I invite you, if you're ever in the Detroit area, to stop by the Plymouth United Church of Christ, which is located in the heart of Detroit and at the tip-top of the Medical Center in Detroit at 600 East Warren Avenue. We worship on Sundays at 8.30 and 11 in the morning, but also we worship on Wednesdays at noon. And I would be delighted to see you. God bless and God keep you. Till tomorrow or the next day, I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. God bless you, and I hope you'll share this good news with a friend.